0: Hi, my name's Hutton and I'm a Geoholic. Hi everyone, Nick Smolofsky here with Bad Elf. We're doing another Geoholic's Pod Tech Minute for you. Uh, today I wanted to talk about the Esri story map uh, put on by John Hopkins University that has been tracking the COVID-19 pandemic. If you haven't checked out this map yet or you haven't seen this Esri uh, dashboard uh, map online or some news media article, you may be living under a rock. It's actually most visited online map in today's, uh, in today's modern world. Uh, people are using it all over. They're using maps, this cartography, this analytical GIS to help solve issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so here is a great example of geomatics being put to use. Uh, to help mitigate and um, help the world in terms of the COVID-19. That's, again, John Hopkins University. It's their um, dashboard map on COVID-19. Check it out if you haven't seen it. And that is our Tech Minute for tonight's podcast. Check out John Hopkins University's coronavirus map. You can do at coronavirus.jau.edu. This is signing off. We'll see you again later.
1: Thanks everybody for listening to episode 35 of The Geoholics. I'm Kent, aka Dilfie Dilf, with my partners in crime, Big Shoots, and Producer Jake. We're excited to be here for this episode produced by and for Geomatics professionals. Episode 35 is also known as, this is a gift for Producer Jake for his graduation, he even remembers this guy. I have no idea, but the Christian Akoya.
2: Oh, yeah. Nigerian Nightmare. Nigerian oh,
1: Nightmare. That's for you, buddy. Pulled that mm-hmm. one out of
3: left field.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, well, can we go with your uh,
3: anti-Cubs and say Frank Thomas, the big herd himself?
1: I love Frank Thomas.
3: Oh, man. That guy is gigantic.
1: I love that guy. Absolutely. Christian,
3: uh, he's, a,
2: he's a local guy, too. We, uh, he's a, he Yeah, I've met him a couple times uh, at the local Chiefs bar. No kidding. Yeah.
1: Is he still a big guy, big guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No still a that nightmare. Guy, that guy ran so hard. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Not, I could not imagine having to stand in front of that guy in open field. No way.
3: Mm-mm.
1: No way. All right. With that, anybody out there who's interested, please take a second and join the Geoholics fan club. For every 20 bucks you donate to the Geoholics GoFundMe account, you'll receive a Geoholics wristband and a T-shirt. Along with having your name mentioned on the next podcast, so please consider doing that. That opening number, of course, is from one of my all-time favorite bands in excess, Australian band. We'll get to the significance of that here in just a minute. The name of that song is "Need You Tonight," and I actually saw them a couple times back in the '80s in Chicago. Um, one of the top ten saddest days of my life. And this is no joke. Is when I found out that Michael Hutchins died. It was. Uh, uh, November 22nd, 1997, and it was, it was a really sad day. Those guys you know, had some great momentum then, and even though Michael's gone, their music continues to live on, so check them out on uh, all the music outlets out there, of course, Spotify and Apple and all that good stuff, but great music, it's timeless, so had to give a shout out to uh, NXS. Let's also give our friends in the program a shout out. Thanks for believing in us and your continued support. Let's start off with Bad Elf GPS. Check them out at bad-elf.com forward slash flex. See the latest GNSS receiver that they've developed. And a special thank you to Dr. Nick Spolowski for another great Tech Minute.
3: Cannot forget our buddies over at Land Surveyors United, Justin Farrow. I may have just found out moments ago that they have a brand new page called the uh, Land Surveyors Almanac. Go check that out land surveyorsunited.com.
1: yep yep uh, justin's got another uh really cool addition to the website there with this almanac so definitely like uh shoot said get on there and check it out and we also have unify u-n-i-f-l-i dot a-e-r-o every time i say that i think i'm doing like that vowel song from when you were a kid you know a-E-I-O-U, whatever. But anyways, uh, Scott Ohana and his team, they've got some really cool stuff going on there with uh, drones and UAVs. Everything from helping you get your site flown to processing it to get you get you the exact deliverable you're after.
3: And then there's always Parkland College, Corey Allred. Uh, if you don't know him, go back a few episodes. You'll find him. <laughs> Their program in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, they got the surveying going on there. It's parkland.edu slash surveying. Hopefully this whole COVID thing will blow over and you can get back in person there. Um, go check it out.
1: Absolutely. And last but not least, we have advanced geodetic surveys also better known as AGS for those in the business. Their website is agsgps.com and they are a one-stop shop equipment, uh, supplier, uh, what else? They supply equipment, they rent equipment, they fix equipment, anything that has to do with equipment, they're the guys. So, AGSGPS.com. This, of course, is another COVID 19 social distancing episode. We're all fully remote. Of course, I'm in studio double D. Uh, Big Shoots is in the nerdery, and producer Jake's in the beat lab, as I like to call it. Ricka Ricket. Ricka Ricket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with that, let's catch up. With producer Jake. how are you now, buddy? Doing
2: really good. Um, I know I've talked about this a lot, so I don't want to talk about it too much more. But we did hint at it a little bit. I did. So t- I, t- I took my final, my last final exam today. So as of today, I'm done, finished my co- college, all my college stuff for my bachelor's degree, and just have to wait for that to show up in the mail here soon. Obviously, don't get to walk in the graduation ceremony or anything. So that's kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. I guess it's a good story to have. Um, but I was going to ask you guys a question I had for just kind of get your take on something now that we are and we talk about this a lot but I feel like this might be a, an interesting um, side that we haven't talked about is when all of this was starting and we started remote um, recording these um, remote podcasts you guys had made some comparisons with the market being crazy and that this could be like the next financial crisis or the 9-11 or how it's going to like shape the industry and people are be losing jobs and things like that so I just kind of wanted to ask you guys. I obviously wasn't really old enough back then to like understand the scope of it. But now that we're a month and a half, two months, or however long we are into this, I was going to ask, what What are what you guys is, looking back on that? Is this the same kind of thing? Is it worse? Is it better? How is it affecting?
1: You want to go first, shoots?
3: No, you go for it. I got. <laughs> I got to plan this answer.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't think it's. At right now, I mean, I don't, I don't, even when we start to go back and we open things up, um, it's not gonna flip a switch and everything change overnight. You know, I think there's still a ton of industries that are gonna take a really long time to recover from this. And of course, the majority of those are related to tourism, you know, hotels, restaurants, bars, airlines, you know, that ripple effect is going to continue to go on for quite some time, and as a result, I think it's still going to affect a lot of the professions that, you know, that we reach out to. Um, in addition, you know, I I think the way we go about our our job is going to change a little bit. I still think that, you know, there's probably gonna be a lot more working remotely. I think there's going to be changes on construction sites, uh, at least for the short term, but who knows how long that's going to last. Um, I have been pinged by, you know, a handful of people saying that they got let go. Um, so there has been at least some of that happening that I'm aware of. But I don't know. I honestly don't think we know yet to tell you the truth. I don't think we're out of the woods. Uh, it's a fair question, no doubt, but it's just going to take time to, to answer that.
3: Mm-hmm to jump in off of what you said i feel like our industry that we're in this whole thing has not been as affected as obviously the hospitality restaurants all that good stuff um it it is slower and a lot of these companies that were just kind of getting by were the ones that got cut off and those guys are looking for jobs and fortunately in the survey industry there's you know, higher demand than supply of people, so I I feel like those guys will be okay in the long term. Um, realistically, yeah, like Ken said, we're, we're, we we don't know the extent of this yet. This is not near the end yet. Even with everything eventually reopening, it's not going to be the same. The world is different as we know it. So, this is not the best time to graduate college and get into the real world, Jake. I'm yeah, yeah. You to tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you stick with podcasting, be a producer, <laughs> you know, keep raking in the big bucks with us and <laughs> go from there.
1: <laughs> we, we, need a, uh, we need a lot more fan club members to support Jake.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about it actually earlier today that I'm pretty, I'm glad that I didn't end up going to, because I thought about going, getting like my pilot's license and going like commercial aviation, becoming a pilot. Can you imagine if I spent four years doing that? And then the second I graduate, all of this happened, that would have been that would have been pretty bad, but yeah, just wanted to get kind of your guys' um, thoughts on that, your take on that, because I wasn't really old enough to understand those other two like big events. So just kind of interested to see how this sizes up with with, with those. But it doesn't sound like the we've have enough information to like really no. yeah. Into I don't that, think we
1: so. do. And the one the one thing I do want to add that I have already seen um, is a lot of these you know cities and municipalities have already said that regardless of when their states or their cities or their counties open up there's going to be massive budget cuts at that level of things so a lot of companies rely on like these on call contracts and you know things of that nature that you know you might have a million dollar on call contract signed and in the in the hopper but that doesn't mean you're gonna see a million dollars in revenue out of that especially in these areas where they're going to have massive budget cuts as a result of the lack of uh of tax revenue that they're going to see for quite some time
3: so million dollars is the max not anywhere near the minimum yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly
3: exactly but
2: anyways not the most uh i guess fun or entertaining uh little bit there but i was kind of wondering about that so yeah good question yeah.
3: Cool. Ryan, how are you, man? I am living the dream. I know that's the uh, equivalent to saying I'm ready to, to end it all, but <laughs> uh, I am missing sports. I watched South Korean baseball finally on ESPN. I am that desperate. I don't know any of the players, but I know the rules, and it was enjoyable. Uh, I watched the – speaking of a, a former Chiefs player, the Alex Smith Project 11. Did you guys see that documentary or –
1: no, I want He's
3: to see it? that one. Oh,
2: my
1: All God. All I
3: saw it's,
2: was a picture of the guy's leg on Twitter. Did you guys see that picture? No. Which
3: one? Where his bone was exposed and like everything it's was his, gone?
2: His entire leg was open on the operation table, and you can see it, it was like, oh, that was like, oh, my gosh.
3: I would, yeah, I would not recommend like eating or anything while you're watching it. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. as, as the audience may know, my wife is going to nursing school, so she was all fascinated by it. And I could not fast forward it fast enough to get past, you know, it's not normal to see somebody's bones exposed and everything else not there on a living human being, not cool. So highly recommend the uh, the warning ahead of time of don't watch this if you can't handle that. But uh, other than that, just riding the bike, trying to build some muscle boys. I got to keep <laughs> up with Delphi Delph. If I'm going to be that age here soon enough, oh, God. I got to be attractive for those younger ladies. But... Yep.
1: yep. <laughs> carry on the Dilfie Dilf name.
3: Dilfie uh, Dilf 2.0. That's right. Updated and graduated. That's right. But no, other than that, just uh, really th- golfing. I'm so glad that's essential. I know I have mentioned it before. And other than that, just uh, ready for this to be over with and get out of my house. Be back in the studio with you guys. I, I can't wait to, like, give you guys a hug. I miss it. What about you, Kent? What's what's new in the uh,
1: studio I Bill, would be remiss. Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I now have two daughters that have successfully graduated college. Whoop, whoop. Youngest daughter, Presley, just finished up this past weekend, just as Jake did. Congrats to Jake as well. Um, but their last college class, so they – Are going to be officially graduated here in the next week or so. Unfortunately, we'll have to put the party off for a bit, but there will be one. So, congrats to Jake. Congrats to Presley. You guys are amazing, and uh, I've known Jake for quite some time, and obviously, I've known Presley for a long time. And the uh, just to see those those guys grow up and now graduate college and stuff, it's almost surreal when I think about it. But um. congrats, congrats, and uh, Press, I love you, and I'm super proud of you, of course. So uh, can't wait to see what the next step in, in life is gonna, is gonna, where it's gonna take you, but I'm sure it's gonna be outstanding. Outside of that, um, my COVID-19 guilty pleasure of the week, since we last talked anyways, you guys are gonna, I don't know what you're gonna think of this. I find myself watching some really strange things on YouTube. Something I came across this past week is two different things. Magnet fishing and coin pusher videos.
3: Oh my goodness. Where I've are seen you those. digging deep online to find
1: this stuff? No, you just go on YouTube. And it, I mean, it's like if I watch fishing videos, for some reason, magnet fishing came up. And I don't know if you've seen this, but these guys literally have this like magnet that will attract and hold up to a thousand pounds of metal they put it on a rope they fling it out into a creek or lake or whatever and they just pull it in and the stuff they pull in it's unbelievable it's unbelievable i'm gonna have to give this a try once all this is all done and over with i gotta try i gotta try my hand at this it's it's crazy
3: i'm gonna have to bulk up to pull that magnet in
1: it's a treasure hunt no the magnet's not a thousand pounds but the stuff on the magnet i suppose could be exactly that's what we're pulling in well, yeah, but until it reaches the surface, it's not that heavy, you know, <laughs> and then and the, the coin pusher videos. Out. Have, have you I, seen them?
2: Yeah. It's like the guys that go to like, like almost like a Dave and Buster's, right?
1: Yes. Yes. But they, it's like high stakes. It's like a thousand dollar buy-in. It's like Las Vegas coin pusher videos. I don't know, but I'm addicted to it because I love that game. When I was a kid at the carnival,
3: I got a quick interruption that I forgot about earlier. Did yep. you guys see today who is claiming that they're going to play Joe Exotic?
2: Oh, I yeah. I did see that. Nick Cage, oh.
3: right? Oh, my God. That guy's the worst actor. We just watched The Rock the other night, and I was like, this
1: is bad. It's bad, yeah. Maybe was, he's the perfect Joe Exotic, because that guy's over the top. I don't know. I was thinking uh, David Spade. Joe Dirt himself, yeah. Yes. Dirty I, Joe. I, you would have been maybe maybe it was maybe the character's too similar to joe dirt so it wouldn't work but uh,
3: yeah nick cage i did not see that one coming because that guy hasn't done anything in how long and i honestly never thought he was a decent actor but
1: i know i know all right let's get on with this the uh safety apparel safety share of course sponsored by safety apparel um matt has got all kinds of cool stuff going on he's doing some really neat things with vests as far as personalizing them and things like that. And I did see him post on Facebook that um, he got his own character on what I believe is the next Get Kids Into Survey poster. So congrats to Matt on that. Check out all his gear at safetyapparel.us. And the subject of our safety show this evening is accessing or entering manholes during the covid 19 pandemic it's it's a very dangerous thing to do even before this of course but uh i had a question brought to me by a member of the united surveyors of arizona free plug don't get used to it so i wanted to throw this out here and just kind of remind people how dangerous this is and if you've been thinking about you know, having to dip manholes, whatever, for whatever you you know you have to do with that, just take proper precautions. So the question is, have you rethought your approach to dipping manholes as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? So one of our fellow surveyors responded and said that he actually asked a couple of his doctor friends if there's an elevated risk of contracting the virus when opening or dipping manholes. And both the doctors told him that there's really no evidence that the virus will transfer from human waste since it is a protein base and our bodies devour protein. They stated that it's very, very low risk that a virus will be any risk in a sewer from any saliva or used Kleenex, et cetera, and that you really do need to pay attention to everything else that's in there, of course. However, that same surveyor told me that his company that he works for has implemented a no dip policy and that if they do need to access a manhole, they're going to be hiring that out to the professionals to do that thing. Um, There are reports that, you know, fecal matter and blood, uh, are exposure paths or agents and sewer manholes are the travel path for that type of human waste. Of course, the bottom line is that anyone working in and around manholes should take proper protective precautions that would be necessary when working around materials that could be contaminated. So of course, this is a reminder more than anything else. If you're working in or around an open manhole, you got to be really, really careful. You know, make sure you have a confined space monitor or gas sensor. That's an absolute must. And just, you know, make sure you are utilizing the proper uh, proper PPE in those circumstances. So that's that. Let's get on to the meat of the episode. Our guests this evening are Michelle. This is going to be a trick one here. cops and... Paul Rowlandson and Michelle is the CEO of the Association of Consulting Surveyors in Australia. That's kind of like our NSPS is my understanding. We're gonna learn more about this, so uh, just a second here. This association brings together surveyors from across Australia for training, leadership, and advocacy. So there are definitely some similarities there with NSPS. She is also a certified association executive through the American Society of Association Executives, the first in Australia to have achieved this. That's pretty exciting. Through her leadership, the surveying industry in Australia has a seat at the important tables of government where decisions are made in relation to property and construction. And she is making sure the voice of surveyors is heard in the halls of government. So that is awesome. And our other guest, of course, as I mentioned, is Paul Rowenson. Paul is a licensed surveyor in Australia, and he is the president of Consulting Surveyors National in Australia. He has been a registered surveyor for, as I'm told, many, many, many years. We're going to get to that. And in fact, was awarded Professional Surveyor of the Year in 2018. Paul has been a fixture in the leadership of the profession in New South Wales and is on the board of the NSW Association. He is passionate about providing training and mentorship to candidate surveyors working towards registration michelle and paul thank you so much for being here welcome
4: thanks for having us
3: yeah thank you
1: absolutely so let's make it clear to all our listeners we are recording at six twenty-eight p.m pacific time and on tuesday what time is it and what day is it where you are
4: it is almost half past 11 a.m on wednesday because we are way ahead of you guys in the states right (laughs) what
3: what can i expect for like the next 10 hours of my life like what am i gonna what am i in store for what are the lottery Um, numbers give me it all
4: yeah yeah, i can't can't give you that i'm sorry there's no doesn't quite work like that but
1: (laughs) oh my god so great so great but again thank you so much for being here and taking the time to join us this is really exciting and I've been looking forward to this uh, for quite some time. So let's get the COVID-19 talk out of the way. Um, of course, people listening are going to be curious. You know What's going on in Australia with it? How, how are you guys personally dealing with it and Australia as a country?
4: So we think Australia's dealt with it pretty well. Um, our government did crack down pretty early uh, and closed borders. What's interesting here is that for the first time, some of our state borders are closed so we can't you know go across state lines except for essential purposes and you have to have a letter and all that kind of thing so that's pretty new for us not something many of us have experienced before um however things are better it looks like we are flattening our curve we've had less and less cases each day um the state that both paul and i are in is actually the worst impacted state we had 12 cases yesterday so still pretty good, but twelves we had nine the day before, so actually twelve's not good and they're finding clusters now, which is what we're dealing with. But the good news is that last weekend we were allowed to go and visit friends two by two. So I was able to go over to a friend's house for dinner. We still had to socially distance around the campfire that we had in the backyard, which was quite nice um, and sit you know on opposite sides of the lounge room, all that kind of thing, but it was lovely to go and see friends for a change and we've got Mother's Day coming up here in Australia this weekend and so most of us are really excited that it actually means we'll be able to see our mums um, who we haven't seen in my case for seven weeks. So you know things are getting better Uh, work-wise we're all still working, Um, most of us are working from home. In our surveying firms they are mostly doing sort of swap shifts so they'll have sort of half half the guys in the office one day, the other half the next day, they've sort of got team ABC, that kind of thing going on. But generally speaking up until about now, our surveyors have been busier than ever.
1: Wow. That's awesome. How about, uh, and Paul, I guess I'll let you uh, start with this one. How has it affected the land survey profession? I know obviously a lot of folks are probably having to work remotely and, you know, that's been a, a change in a, something that everybody's had to adapt to what uh what are you seeing
5: well Well, look there's no doubt there's been a lot of change there um the the industry as michelle said was kind of busy in in march and april's been okay i suppose they've all been a little bit anxious that that there's a that the water's going out and when there is some tidal wave coming in a little bit later about about how things might completely slow down or go to a, a level which is they haven't seen for a long time. And I, I note that Jake said that from that point of view. And but I can think back to some really difficult times that we've had where we had a, a significant loss of work. Um, I think they're a lot better able to cope with it this time. They're using technology and uh, we had a last um, a seminar that Michelle organized and was completely online. It was designed to be where we, we turned up, but it was online. And it was really effective. It it worked, and and we never realised that we could do the whole thing online. I plugged my laptop in and looked at it on my television while sitting on the lounge. So <laughs> things are changing, and uh, and and everybody's embracing it. I think so, which is kind of what surveyors do, isn't it? From that point of view, they they like to take up new challenges. It won't it won't completely take over face to face, but that you you might have a mix going forward. I think so it's probably snapped too far one way, but I think there is definitely going to be some changes in the way they do business going forward.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's gonna, that's gonna affect us all. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the outcome ultimately is going to be. But I think you nailed it. You know, mentioning the technology and, um, you know, surveyors are are really good at being resourceful and solving problems and um, you know, maybe have been, Maybe their eyes have been open to technology that they weren't using before, but they now are to their advantage. So, let's we'll have to well, just I, think, go yeah, go I think
4: the government, you know, getting on board and working out. I think it's actually been harder for the government than it has for private businesses. Certainly, I think, you know, uh, surveyors adapt and and change, you know, with the technology as it comes online, but we've only just brought in electronic signatures um, Mm -hmm. here in Australia, so that's taken, what, six weeks. So that challenge has been something that we've needed to, you know, kind of overcome, and the government trying to work out, you know, how they can bring in new processes. And uh, one of the things that, that we've been saying to them is that that kind of those changes, some of those good changes that we now have because of the crisis, we need to keep, right? Let's not waste a good crisis. Let's turn it into innovative, you know, creation of, of better process and better productivity for us all.
1: Yep. Good point. I think we're going to see that across the world. Um, so if my uh, my research has not failed me uh it's my understanding australia has a population of a little over 25 million is that correct yep okay and that's
4: like as big as your city or something right i mean
3: (laughs) i think phoenix is like 14 million the phoenix metro right or am i crazy on that jake would know more than me
1: yeah i think that's about right um Let's talk about the state of surveying in Australia. I, I understand that you guys have a lot of the same concerns that we have here. So I want to, I want to get that out on the table and, and, and get your take on it. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, maybe you do because of your position with the consulting surveyors national organization, what the the number of licensed surveyors is in Australia. Do you have that information?
4: Yeah, yeah, we do. So, um, so we have about two and a half thousand licensed and registered surveyors in all of Australia. So quite a small, small number. Um, And only about 3% of those are women. Just by the way, I always like to throw the little diversity piece in. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually do some research every four or five years onto the state of surveying uh, in the country. And our last research was completed uh, at the end of 2018, released early 2019, um, which showed that whilst we have about 12,000 Uh, professionals who would describe themselves as surveyors, as I said only about two and a half thousand of those are actually registered or licensed. So we represent the businesses in surveying in our association Um, and you know we're still not quite clear how many of those there are because a lot of the guys go out on their own um, and they set up their own businesses so we're gathering that information is a little bit trickier and something that we're working on. Um, But uh, We have some pretty good numbers. As I said, New New South Wales is the largest state, which is where uh, Paul and I are based, followed by Victoria and Queensland, and then WA and then uh, South Australia, WA, Western Australia. Sorry, I shouldn't use my acronym. Should I? You might not know what that means. Like you've got all your acronyms for your states that we can't figure out what they mean either. Um, and then, and then we have our smaller states and territories, um, Tasmania, Northern Territory, and the Australian Capital, that have even less. So, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty spread out. They go through, you know, the considerable process to become registered and licensed. Actually. That's one of our challenges. We have two terms here. In some states, they're called licensed surveyors. Mm. And in our state, they're called registered surveyors. Um, And each state has its own board of surveyors that registers and licenses them. And each state has its own process for how you become registered and licensed, which is quite a joy to deal with uh in new south wales they have to sit five exams before the board of surveyors so jake you'd have to go on do two years of practice as a surveyor uh work inside a you know inside a practice whether that was in government or private sector uh, and then you could sit for your board exams um and we do in new south wales we do engineering town planning so engineering design town planning strata and strata which i think is like your condominium type Mm -hmm. take on it, Um, for us we call it strata, and then they do rural cadastral and urban cadastral. Once they've passed those five exams with five major projects, they get a competency certificate and they can apply to become registered. So quite a lengthy process. It can often take our guys seven to eight years to become a fully registered and licensed surveyors. So we think we're right up there with the doctors, right? The specialty in the engineering sphere uh, and should be recognized as such. That's what we think anyway. Um, So we do have a lot of continuing education, um, continuing professional development that they have to undertake. And as Paul mentioned earlier, all that's now moved online, which has been quite a challenge for the profession that's quite used to their their regular conferences. You know, they all sort of go to their, I go to this conference or I go to that conference type thing. Um, And now they've all had to come online, which has been quite fun and interesting. Fortunately, it was May the 4th, so we could do a Star Wars theme which was a bit of fun. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's sort of it in a little bit of a nutshell.
5: I think the the, the history of our profession, in terms of uh, licensed and registered surveyors, it's relatively static, even though our population's increased, even though we've had more, created more parcels, the, the technology, technology changes, the increases in productivity means that we've actually got more work done. And we went through a period there in the early part of this century where everybody was just saying, "Well, I need another surveyor. I need another surveyor. I need somebody with experience." And they just they just weren't there. Mm -hmm. So then we went to the this idea of doing some research and establishing that we did have a shortage. We had an aging profession, and generally you guys are in that problem. Have that problem as well. Um, they're, they're all going to leave and then uh, there's nobody coming through to take their place, so there's going to be a, a shortage. And there is a shortage now. Um, and as, as as you said, that that because there's a shortage, it helps getting employed, but we've got, as a profession, a responsibility to train more people and make sure that we don't uh, take that knowledge to le- and leave the profession without passing it on to the next generation. That's super important and we've recognised that. But it's really, it's hard to get everybody else on board because we're not big enough. We haven't got that critical mass to have uh, influences within government, for example. Mm. And in Australia, we've been trying through CSN to try and influence government policy and make sure our profession has a has a voice at the table. Michelle's had some big wins in that regard. And we normally do that by joining other like-minded associations that are bigger and can have a bigger voice like the australian chamber of commerce and industry and australian construction industry forum so that we can be part of that bigger organization but we can we can impart that very very important surveyor uh logic in you know sort of uh day-to-day understanding of the way things work so that we can get things going and that's so important about that um and just uh, the other bit i wanted to add was If we get through, when we get through this, the most important thing is confidence. And I think, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at Jake here, and I'm saying, well, uh, don't think that that life is this difficult all the time. Uh, And when I actually finished my uni in 1983, there was a recession. And the problem with those recessions is we had an enormous uh, credit squeeze, and the interest rates went to 17%. And it affects you for a long, long time. It affects your thinking. It <coughs> makes you think, well, I'm never going to be able to, to, to get a decent paying job in this profession. That's not correct. It, you will, it will turn around. and will be better. So invest in yourself and, and uh, it, you'll have a, a great career going forward if you do that now, uh, being aware that times are tough now, but later on it will get better for sure.
1: Yep. I'm interrupt
3: real right. quick and yep. say, first off, how awesome is this that we literally have people on the other side of the globe? I could listen to these accents all day. <laughs> I agree. It, it is great, and 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 it's not Australia; it's Australia. It's Australia, Australia. that's right. Yeah, I, I could listen yeah. to this all day. Uh, a quick, you know, since we're zooming here, I I googled it. The Phoenix Metro is just under five million, so we're one fifth of Australia just here. Wow.
4: Okay. About the
5: same size as our state. Yeah, well, our know, but, but land area is the same as, you know, it's a, it's a bit smaller than Canada, you know, and it fits, it fits inside USA really. So we've got enormous dif- distances uh, across the country. It's a bit like going across your country, but there's nothing in the middle basically. So once you leave those uh, East Coast and West Coast, it's just basically desert. That's really what it comes down to. And everybody lives on the, on the uh, coastline
1: sure sure that makes sense i do have one question about the educational requirements if does, does so do you guys require is it a, a four-year degree from a, a like an australian geomatics program of some sort or what what are the educational requirements to pursue licensure yes
4: yeah, so it's a four four-year uh, bachelor's degree in surveying or you can do a five-year degree combined with civil engineering. So we're seeing more and more of our universities move over. They they were calling it a geomatics degree for a little while, but that seems to have passed by now, possibly Melbourne Uni. There's only about one or two universities uh, that offer it in each state. Um, and so that's a bit of a problem for us. So we've identified that we have a shortage of surveyors. We, we're about 1500 on average, short every year for the amount of construction and development and growth that we've got because we've got a bit of a population boom. um, And so we can't, you know, get the lots ready for the houses that they want to build fast enough. Because we just don't have enough surveyors. And so we've got about 180 people graduate students graduating each year out of our surveying degrees. Uh, a lot of them do the University of Southern Queensland, uh, which has our only distance course. So for our country guys, meaning that they don't need to leave their home, they can stay in their regional towns, which is where we want them to stay, uh, and remain, you know, working in their profession. Most of our uni students, university students. We don't call it college; we call it university. Um, are uh, working while they're studying. Good, good majority of them work while they study, and we think that turns out better surveyors at the end of the day. Um, our build uh, out the scores that they need to get into university are quite high, and so a lot of them will go through the like apprenticeship traineeship pathway, um, and so they'll do a technical. Uh, certificate or diploma and then they'll go on and do their bachelor's degree so it can take them even longer to get through that process. So we've been working pretty strongly since we started doing this research uh, in and. 2013, 2010, we started uh, what we call the surveying task forces. We have one in each state and its role is to go into schools uh, and talk with careers advisors, mm. talk with kids about how great a career in surveying would be. And one of the things we found is that we're one of the few professions or industries that are actually in those halls and in those careers booths that they have going on over here and so there's a lot of you know colleges and unis and training facilities but not so many industries that say that at the end of your training you can have this job and so we'll take a drone in or a total station or some piece of cool equipment and you know attract everybody to our stand as much as we can some of our guys do a a bit of a a thing while they're there and they put fifty dollars up against the wall And then they get you to measure how far it is to the $50. And if you guess accurately, you win the $50 at the end of the day. So that's been a pretty good success, rate at getting students to think about a career in surveying because, you know, show me the money, right? So that's been pretty good. And our surveyors around the country are fabulous at going into schools, taking kids in on work experience. Um, And so that's been something that we've been pretty keen on. So you mentioned Get Kids Into Survey before. We've just brought that into Australia. There's actually a Sydney poster with the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and so on on it. Uh, and we've just posted that just right before COVID to all the primary schools, because we're identifying one of the problems we've got is in maths and kids are just not going on and doing that high level of math that they need for mm-hmm. a surveying degree.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of those same uh, same issues here in the States for sure. How are, I mean, without going into a ton of detail, I guess, but how are like, salaries or pay rates for surveyors, you know, everywhere from entry level to senior level. Um, I believe my understanding is the cost of living is pretty high and I guess it probably depends where you are just like it is here in the States, but talk a little bit about that. Paul?
0: Uh,
5: Well, I think um, it significantly increased in the last um, five years based on the uh, again, a, a, the supply and demand curve from that point of view. So, first things out of uni, because there's such a shortage, people have been getting really strong salaries, um, higher than an engineer, for example, um, and then right up there with the, the, the doctors and the medical people. So, the uh, newly graduated guy could demand a reasonable salary. So. Um, Later on, uh, in terms of registration, once they get registered again, if they want to be um, that person that, that wants a higher salary, they've just got to move around a little bit and because of the shortage, they can increase their salary. Um, in, in Australia, the majority of our firms are relatively small. I suppose uh, if you have 20 or 30 people in a firm, that's sort of about the normal size. They get bigger than that, but they also get in the, the ones in the five man operations. So you can make um, a good living. A really, good, and my original surveyor said, yeah, the best way to make a good living as a surveyor is to be a boss. So um, that's what they think, and um, it, it does it does correspond that way as long as you've got the right clients, I suppose. Regional areas there's um, less competition, so you can actually charge more. That's what they do do. Um, city, it's more difficult because there's more competition. But I would have said there's not as much focus on the on the salaries. Uh, as much in the last 10 years as there was previous 10 years before that. Um, and we are working and the most important thing is to make each of the firms realize their, their worth and the value that they add to the to the project and, and make sure they apply an appropriate level of fees, I suppose. Um, and that's where we have the most trouble where people don't charge enough and, and they get themselves into trouble because they don't want to spend as much time on the side as they as they perhaps should. So but um i would say that it's a, a very rewarding career both in, the, in terms of the work and at the moment financially
4: but more more good news for jake um our research that we did at the end of last year showed that young professionals earn 30 percent higher than their peers so that's pretty good i mean we could give you the dollar amounts but they don't really correspond because our dollar compared to your dollar you know doesn't quite work yeah, it doesn't we, work
5: Yes. There is a really high retention rate and people who do surveying degrees um, I think it's the highest so they're, they're most fulfilled and they're still working as a surveyor five do, five years down the track as distinct to a psychologist who never gets a job as a psychologist and does something else so all those uh, Mickey Mouse uh, degrees that, that you can get there's certainly surveying is one that they actually do end up using and something they get some benefit out of.
4: Hello to all the psychologists
5: listening. Yeah. We love you. Yeah, you're watching, psychologists. <laughs> Before we get off
1: this topic, I do have one other question. If somebody from the states, for example, had interest in relocating to Australia, and they're they're licensed here, but they don't have a four year degree because there are a number of states here that's not required, could they still make a really good living in Australia being a surveyor, even though they're not licensed or registered there?
4: Yeah, some of our technical surveyors. uh, So we have guys that do their degrees that never go on and get their registration or their licence and they run their own businesses. They're doing surveys. I mean, the difference is they can't sign the title plans um, and they can't you know, there, there are some things they can't do. Boundary definition, particularly, you know, is the piece that they can't do. But when it comes to engineering, we have a lot of infrastructure works here. We've just built a number of railways, a number of major highways, freeways, etc. And so we're very behind there. We've got a whole one that we're building that's gonna run across the whole inside of the country called Inland Rail that's under construction now that runs all the way from the bottom of the country to the top. So, you know, there's a whole lot of that kind of work, a lot of tunneling uh, and those sorts of things. So you know, sure, come on over. We've got a shortage. When you're allowed on a plane again. Mm-hmm. Um, we do we do actually import a number of surveyors because we've had a significant um, investment in infrastructure in Australia over the last two and three years and our shortage has meant that we have had to import a number of um, more highly qualified people. And so there has been a number that have come over, um, wh- you know, whether they stay or not, but a lot do stay because why wouldn't you want to live in Australia? Um, they go for their citizenship and they they live here permanently. So, you know, come on over, give us a call.
5: Yeah, and I think it's, it, well, it would normally be a case where they get sponsored by a, a firm, for example. So, um, and we have at CSM, we have an ability to assess their qualifications and see if they, they are in fact eligible for registration so we do we we are aware that other other countries do different things and we can assess those qualifications and, and give uh, our boards a determination of, of whether that's appropriate so um it's if they've got if they know what they're doing they can get a job in australia that's really what it comes into um covid covid-19 aside but because of that, infrastructure elements and resources are a really big driver of our economy. Uh, coal and iron ore are, are huge. Um, you, you won't get some people living in the inner cities uh, realising that, but the reality is that, that that construction and that resource delivery is a really big uh, driver of our economy and it keeps us, um, keeps us going, keeps us standard of living the way it is, basically. Now, all this
3: talk of moving to Australia and you guys are trying to entice us all, especially Jake. I mean, send our brightest, uh, youngest and brightest (laughs) over there, of course. I don't know if everybody's seen this in the news recently. I did watch the video of the guy getting stung by this like massive killer hornet now. Uh, I know that Australia is infamous in my mind for having a lot of animals that can kill you readily everywhere. Uh, do you guys encounter that as far as surveyors out in the field? Like, uh, you know, obviously the fires, koalas, kangaroos that are going to like put on boxing gloves and get you, uh, what is it? A dingo ate my baby, all that good stuff. Explain dangers that we would have no idea about here in the U S that you guys encounter.
5: Snakes. Snakes is probably the worst one. Because you, you can, you can be wandering the field with a jigger on your back and, uh, Shouting out to your field hand to do something, and then you'll almost tread on a state snake, so some of those are bad some of those are okay i i, I re- re- reminds me of a story I've had a bloke and uh, he was actually uh, a refugee from Thailand that was helping me uh, in the field and he was carrying the jigger across a dam wall now you never do that in Australia because that's where the snakes are because they're going for a drink so and he ran across a snake and then in Thailand there's no snakes, or I didn't think there was or and he saw a snake for the first time in his life and he threw that jigger up in the air about six or seven meters and it came down and smashed it and I, and I uh, could have been disappointed he broke my jigger but in reality it was so funny watching him chuck it up in the air. Um, I will never forget it from that point of view. Um, snakes, what else? Spiders. Spiders are bad um, and uh, koalas not so bad. Koalas, uh, everybody thinks they're cuddly but they actually make a lot of noise. They grunt a lot so if you're If you're interested in koalas, um, Google koalas grunting because that's their mating call. They (laughs) fight with each other all the time and they wee on you if if you're not not careful. So there's a lot of kangaroos, but they just get out of your way. So it's not that bad, Ryan. It's really not that bad. It it can be hot. The mozzies is probably the other thing, isn't it, Michelle? So mozzies are bad Um, and uh, swamps and stuff like that. But yeah. they were very colonial from that point of view, and the regional surveyors the the first public servant in in australia was a was a surveyor, so the surveyor general was the first guy and and they got a history as being explorers. My town in Port Macquarie was discovered by a, a famous explorer named John oxley uh, really early on so um uh, that sort of tradition still holds, and everybody loves getting outside that's that's the great part about being a surveyor isn't it we all do we all agree with that absolutely.
3: Well with all these dangers that you guys are encountering how are you guys handling it are you doing one two three person crews how how is that going on on that side
5: Well look we we had that discussion about um, putting multiple people in the car and and they, they and originally I said sit one guy in the front and then if it's a dual cab sit another guy in the back but they sort of they sort of said that really didn't make that much difference most of the firms have been sending out surveyors in two-man parties and trying to get away from a one-man party just at the moment because uh because of the potential risks but um, in the bush we would normally in the older days had a three-man party but again it can get down to one man uh, with a total station and uh, and themselves these days but when you're out away from um, civilization you you could lose you can lose phone signal that's the other thing that that we, we do lose in the bush sometimes, so we tend to try and keep it at a two-man party for a safety point of view. And in, in case you get bitten by a snake, you have to get back.
1: Absolutely. I, uh,
4: just, just to be clear, right, you know, we, we have normal cities. With like, <laughs> you know, normal apartment high-rises. They don't look really that much different to your cities. I don't come across snakes every day. There has been the odd spider in my house. Mm-hmm. mozzies are bad everywhere mosquitoes right we we hate them flies you know we got so many flies nice. It's awful um but generally speaking right you know we live in suburbia <laughs> and a lot of our urban surveyors have never seen a snake just in <laughs> or a koala mind, <laughs> the
3: entire country is what you guys refer to as the bush <laughs> there's no cities there there's the sydney yeah, Opera yeah. house and the- then just nothing else
4: But actually some of our cities have bush. Like we have a lot of national parks and um, in Sydney, the Royal National Park is the bush. That doesn't often get surveyed. Um, You know, the guys who are creating the inland rail, they are actually putting a new rail line out across the Great Dividing Range um, and they are surveying in the bush. So some of them are actually out there like, our original explorers were but for the most part you know we've got two and four no we don't have four lane highways we have two and three lane highways going all the way you know up and out and you can drive from here to western australia if you really wanted to on a fine highway you'd pass a few emus a few kangaroos and uh you'd be there in you know lots of hours but (laughs) it's you know it's it's not that dissimilar. We just lots have of hours, cool it, animals. Lots. A, I don't know how many it would take. Multiple to, days going across yeah. Australia. So, yeah. yeah,
1: Paul. Real quick, I'm I'm curious how uh, how is land subdivided in Australia? Is it like a rectangular type system or a meets and bounds basis? Um, how how is it all divided up?
5: Well, we we've got. Um, we use the Torrens system, which some of you guys in in the states use. Certainly, Canada uses. Um, in terms of our land subdivision, um, it was always being so separated. Um, it's all about survey marks and and marking it. And when it was originally colonised, the 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 state granted that land to individual landowners, and then the portion plans were done, and some marks were put in. Then so. It's all related to those marks and, and and the measurements around those the dude dimensions, if you like. The the original surveys sometimes they weren't quite as accurate as they should have been. Um, they didn't really care because it's a big box of land so far in the middle of nowhere. They did their best. So we've gradually, as that particular parcel gets subdivided, the accuracy increases. Additional marks go in to define that, and it and over the last twenty years, it's been part of a coordinated cadastre. Um but generally, we go back and find the marks to redefine those boundaries um, and then our our unit subdivisions is what we call strata um which is a- a cubic space so defined by the the walls of the, of the building or the walls of the unit or the apartment as you guys would call it as well um, and we've had we only had that really since the late sixties and then that um is going through a period of rapid change because of the urbanization of our cities. So we, we used to do the, the suburban block of land, the quarter acre block of land, but more and more uh, people are graduating or moving to the cities and, and increasing the density of the development and those things have taken off, particularly in Sydney over the last 10 years from that point of view. Um, so they're the two titles we use. It's connected to um, GDA 2020, which is sort of kind of new, but because that connects to you other guys, and um, I keep forgetting the an acronym for the for the IG... A-R-T-F. Yeah, that one. So um, so we're we're connected to you. Australia moves seven centimetres a year, so they needed to have this sort of movable datum that still. Related to the rest of the world, basically, because it's on a tectonic plate. So, we was we we'd sort of come up with GDA um, uh, ninety four, which is was set, but now uh, GDA twenty twenty is um, uh, moving as as need be to to fit in with everybody else.
1: Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. That you have no idea. <laughs> um, super interesting. I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about consulting surveyors national. I went on the website and so impressive what you guys are doing and even your like your vision or your mission statement i'm going to read it real quick just because it's awesome the vision is to ensure consulting surveyor firms across australia are recognized and supported for the role they play as guardians of the cadastre, which is the foundation of our economy so that's that's awesome you know I, i i really like how that puts surveyors in such high regard um if you would just take a couple minutes and talk about the organization and how it supports you know, surveyors across uh, across the country.
4: So we're designed to look after the businesses in surveying. So you know, I think Paul mentioned that the first surveyor was you know a public servant, government, and then when we started having freehold land after the convicts back in the day, uh, you know, we needed. we needed surveyors to then consult back to the government. And so consulting surveyors really have been around for a very long time. Um, Our association is relatively new as looking after, it's had various forms over the years, Um, but there is a real need to make sure that surveyors are running profitable businesses, successful businesses, uh, that they are meeting the needs of clients, that they are acting in in accordance with the code of conduct that is required of the board of surveyors. And that they need support in actually building the firms that can thrive and survive. And so many of our firms have expanded out to do town planning, engineering. Uh, Some of them have landscape architects, you know, that they will bring in um, certifiers, planners, all sorts of other professions in to make the whole firm sort of meet the whole need of a property cycle. And the development land development cycle really is what they will seek to target, and so our job is to support them in their businesses. Uh, there's obviously not that many of them, um, probably less than a thousand firms in the country, uh, maybe maybe more, but you know. 1,500 maybe, uh, firms in the whole country. And so because we are so small, compared to engineering firms, architectural firms, planning firms and so on, but we know that uh, no land can be developed unless a surveyor's been there first. So we are the key, key component to the economy. And one of the things that I like to tell our government is that if surveyors went on strike, which they never would, but if they did, the whole economy would shut down because our economies are built on the property sector. And so without them, the whole place just doesn't operate. And so we are indeed an essential service, not just during COVID, but always we are the most essential profession in the world, actually. Uh, And so our job is to promote that is to make sure that people understand that we're here to try and solve property solutions so when there are land development issues and you know the architects and the builders and everybody else can't get along often the surveyor can come in there and help solve that problem Uh, and so we offer ourselves to government as those problem solvers when it comes to land issues Uh, and it's really our job at the association to support the businesses and promote the voice and the importance of the profession and we do that in a number of ways we do it through our research through the into the Hill Street, which we promoted to government to let them know that they can go ahead and announce as many new projects as they like for new developments but if they don't have enough surveyors they're not actually going to be able to deliver on those projects uh, and so we do promote that we do uh, a lot of training of surveyors for a business perspective as well as for their surveying needs and we have a, a national conference every year you're all welcome to come sorry you can't come Normally it was going to be in Perth, but we've moved it online. So you can actually come every Friday in June. Join us um, in the afternoon. You're welcome. I don't know what time that would be, but anyway. Uh, So we do a lot of training and uh, we we try to just keep the national conversation going. So if an issue arises in one state, what's the impact of that on the rest of the states? And how do we tackle that? And what what is it that we need to be telling our government officials so that uh, they're aware that we're there?
1: yeah plan.
5: add add that issue of adv- advocacy to to government they too often we've got uh, public service making policy announce- announcements without consulting survivors and they and they should do that to come up with a better policy and uh, to in past we've been reactive and we waited till they come out with something and then we try and get them to change it but in reality what we want them to do is is to ring us when they, they're thinking about a change and we can influence that policy and make sure it has doesn't have a negative effect on on the cadastro as you say and, and what we look after but also our businesses and and the way we do business as well so um that's super important it, you, you're not naturally inclined as a surveyor to be out there uh, you know in somebody's face and telling them what they should be doing but but being a surveyor for so long I've realized that um, you've got to do it so you've got to get out there you've got to have good relationships you've got to have good communication skills so all those things you Jake didn't necessarily learn at uni you've got to try and uh, increase your your skills in those areas so that you can influence public policy. And in fact, as a surveyor, get more clients. So um, that's what we're trying to do. It's not, it's not the technical side of it. So from that point of view, but it's about those soft skills and those business skills and about making sure surveyors have an influence in the way uh, Australia is run.
1: No, it's uh, it's a fantastic website. There's tons of resources there. And the fact that you guys, the focus is the well-being of the surveyor from a business perspective is so refreshing and you know I I think you nailed it you know surveyors typically anyways aren't the best you know business folks let's say and any resources that are available such as what you guys have I think could be very invaluable and I'll definitely make sure that we post a link to the website when we release this episode because even people who aren't surveyors in Australia, per se, could benefit from a lot of the information that you have uh, have available there. In addition to the Surveyor magazine, what a, what a great publication you guys have there. It's it's just awesome.
4: Actually, there's a bit of a story about that. So we hadn't had a, a magazine for a little while, and we wanted to reintroduce it. And I thought I was being really clever at calling it The Surveyor, and it features a uh, professional it features a practice and it features a project and those articles are actually produced by journalists that we've engaged to do that and then it's got lots of tidbits of various other news and so on that's happening in the, in the industry but i thought i was being really clever at calling it the surveyor and then we found some history that apparently back in the 1900s our institutions had a magazine called the surveyor so actually i wasn't really that original at all but anyway still <laughs> you can subscribe we'd love to post it to the states anybody who wants a copy anywhere in the world log on to our website and have a look at the surveyor magazine great read
1: awesome that's so awesome we appreciate that and i'm sure you're going to get some takers on that Um, moving along here what are what are some the like what's your biggest concern about the profession moving forward and tell me something you're really excited about as it pertains to the future of the profession
5: well look i think you know pre-covid was it was about getting more people to do surveying that that was the biggest thing and the second part of that was was to get him to to go on and be licensed and the way society has worked uh, where you're in a a partnership and you've got two people working it wasn't as imperative for one person to become the major breadwinner as the same way as it was for me 30 years ago so it's about getting people to one do surveying um and two um, realizing that being licensed is something that you you have forever as long as you keep up your your continuing professional development and it's a great thing to have now you can go off and do all sorts of things jay can go off and be a a, a podcast producer but you've still got that licensed surveyor qualification it's a fantastic thing to have from that point of view um so just making sure that we've got enough people uh doing doing it and if we if we don't if we don't have enough um, resource, what the government will do is take things away from us. So we've got some concerns that that if we fall in numbers to the point where we can't service the economy, then they will say, well, we're gonna get rid of licensing and l- rid of registration. But so that's a great concern because that means that the cadastro won't be as well looked after. Um, what are we doing in the future? Well, we, we're good at having conferences, that's good. <laughs> um, we like to get together and have a chat, a few beers. Um, uh, what we what we've actually just done is started a and this would be i don't quite know how i'm going to explain this but we've we we've got in australia a professional practice scheme which has just started and what that means is if you join up you do um, risk management training inside your firm as a surveyor but also as a technician uh, a field assistant an administrator um, anybody inside your firm does risk management training designed to uh, make sure that you provide a better quality of service. We have something called the Professional Standards Council in Australia. So this scheme has just started um, and we're part of that. We're providing that training to make sure that the risks inside your practices are minimised. So therefore, you potentially make less mistakes and you get sued less, basically. That's really what it comes down to. And the, the flip side of all that from the government's point of view is actually cap the amount of liability that you can have. So um, our, our normal cap for a normal firm is five million dollars. So that's two and a half ish uh, million or three million from a US point of view. So if you make a mistake, that's limited to three million, and they can't then go you as the director of a firm from that point of view. So that's it, full mm-hmm. stop, in the story. Now we we find that uh, most of the mistakes are below that, but but in reality, if they want to try and challenge us, they can they can. We had a, uh, a situation where some bloke was basically going to have to sell his house to pay the the uh, the judgment against him, uh, even though it, it, it was suing that particular firm. So that's new, that's exciting. Um, it's across Australia, so it's it's independent of all the states. So it's something that's really, really uh, exciting in terms of going forward. And it's something that I think will be working in 50 years' time. So well, I'm pretty pleased about that.
1: Cool. Awesome.
3: Excellent. Well, now we got to go international on our usual questions here, and I'm hoping for some some insight across the pond, I guess. I don't know. Isn't that for like England? I don't know. I'm going out on a limb here.
4: We're uh, down under. We're, we're down under.
3: This is for down across under. across the
4: pond. Down. Yeah. New Zealand's yeah. across the ditch, and we're, we're down under.
3: Okay, so for down under, as you say, what would be uh, the mantra? What do you guys have for motivation in life? Uh, Keep it hopefully one sentence or or two at most. Uh, We'll start with you, Michelle.
4: Oh, well, my personal mantra is make it happen. So I'm a bit of a problem solver. I just like to get it done. So a surveyor comes to me and says, how do I do this? I can't have this. I'm on the phone trying to solve that problem for it. So make it happen, get the job done, it's me
5: easy enough and me yeah one of my old surveyors um, said to me a long long time ago um, you don't realize what you learn what you know paul until you try and teach somebody else so um, (laughs) particularly now in this stage of my career i want to pass off pass on as much knowledge as as uh, i can to the next generation of surveyors coming through um, to make them better professionals but in in reality to make sure that, that their job's a bit easier as they're going through as well so it's combining the old ways of doing things and the new ways to uh, hopefully make better
1: survivors nice. very, good, very good well i think we're about ready to wrap it up is there uh, anything else that maybe we didn't discuss that you want to make sure we touch on
4: no i think we covered pretty much everything have i mentioned you could come and visit australia join no? one of our webinars subscribe <laughs> to our magazine am i allowed to advertise ourselves i don't know i feel like i'm Absolutely. a long way away and you know, one one of the great things for the future for us is we really want to expand on these international relationships, because I do think that surveying the challenges that surveyors face are the same internationally, and I think we can learn from one another. And if there's some great solutions coming out of one country, let's share them and uh, let's let's work together, not just in, within one boundary.
5: Yeah, definitely. If we want if that cultural exchange. Um, through for, for zoom exam is an example is really worthwhile. So if, if anybody out there wants to reach out and have a chat about whatever, um, please contact us in Australia. I Who knew like it was to, this
1: easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I so just got to throw it out, out,
3: that, out there that, you know, with all that Michelle was saying there and, you know the mantra that can't lose by is free plug. Don't get used to it. So just, just go by that <laughs> plug away. You're here. Enjoy. <laughs> it.
1: So I got to I got to Before we get out of here, Paul, first of all, I got to know how long you've been serving. I know it's many, many, many years.
5: Well, yeah. So it was since 83. So okay. uh, yeah. So that long, um, you know, I, I've, i I sold my practice um, two years ago now and I basically, my, my wife's got a childcare center and I'll, I'm almost full-time uh, working for CSN and an uh, estate body and doing what am I? I'm, I'm Michelle's policy officer doing submissions to government policy all the time. So that's almost a full-time job. Um, so how many years is that? I don't know. You, you work it out, <laughs> You're so. all supposed
4: to be good at maths, so I expect one of yeah. you can calculate like 37 that.
5: 37 years. <laughs> 37 years. That would yeah. be
3: older than Jake and I.
5: <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you went born when I started. Uh, well, it, look, and yeah, the fascinating thing is, boy, things have changed in that time. So uh, it, what you guys are going to see in, in your careers is going to be amazing. It's, it's really exciting from that point of view.
1: Absolutely. Um, I do want to plant one seed while we got gotcha, you. That is when you can have a, uh, another seminar or conference and there's a spot to have the geoholics there, please keep us in mind. We would love to come down there for that.
4: Fabulous. June 2021 in Perth. We'll see you there.
1: We can record some episodes. I think we don't have request. to
4: pay for you to come, do we? No, sorry. You can get your sponsors because you've got lots of great sponsors and contributors, right? So we that work. could be a whole GoFundMe campaign to get you guys down to Australia. Hey,
1: we need a lot more, uh, a lot more fan club members for that as well. <laughs> Just a
5: few. So, Just a few. I'm so impressed. You've got a safety vest sponsor. That's. I'm going to look him up. That's going to be fantastic. So. Oh yeah,
1: he's awesome. You got to check it out. Safety oh, apparel. Yeah. Yep, yep, good stuff for sure. Okay, well, I must say that the Australian surveyors are so lucky to have you, Michelle, and you, Paul, as uh, you guys are great representatives of the profession. And you know the, the passion and the energy that you're putting into this is, uh, <laughs> it's invaluable. And I'm just, I'm so impressed. And I'm so, so happy that we were able to have this conversation.
4: Well, and special thanks to Michael Thompson from Canada who introduced us, so it's pretty good. Great, build these relationships, yeah. we love it. Absolutely fantastic
5: to talk to you guys and, and keep it up. It's really good and I really, it, all your COVID stuff is fantastic in, in terms of supporting guys and, and you don't realise what, what guys take out of those episodes, even even some small part, they take it back to, to their practice or to their families talking about how difficult things are. It makes a real difference, so well done.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, one of our, one of our goals was uh, coined by an early guest and that is that, uh, we'd like to, or we want to add value and make friends. So that's, if we can do that, then we're accomplishing our objectives. So I appreciate you saying that. And as you mentioned, Michelle, Michael Thompson, I wanted to thank him as well for, for connecting us and, um, you know, helping to make this happen for sure. He's, he's a good guy and, uh, I look like forward to having him on in a, in a in a future episode as well. With that, everybody, be sure to check us out at thegeaholics.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, our numbers on those social media outlets are growing exponentially, which is pretty exciting. And, of course, you can download all our podcasts from Apple Podcasts. Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher, or straight from our website, of course. If anybody is interested in being a guest on a future show, we are booking into the middle of June, so if you're interested, please shoot us an email at info at com, and we'll get you set up. Um, everybody's got a story. That's what I tell people, and it's our job to uh, to get you to talk about yourself and, and, and ultimately provide value, so don't hesitate to shoot us an email. And of course, we'll have NXS take us out with Need You Tonight, one of a thousand awesome songs that band has. And of course, all their amazing music is available on Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. And last but not least, please support local, stay safe, and stay healthy, everybody.
3: Congratulations, Jake. And Presley. And Presley.
1: Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.arrow, badelf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.